0: Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. And while you're here, go ahead and head over to our online platform, thelifeonline.cc, where you'll find content on all kinds of topics like forgiveness, healing, prophecy, faith, and so much more. So check it out at thelifeonline.cc and enjoy today's message. Um, So today I have something real simple on my heart. It's a continuation of what we, we talked about last week. And years ago I had a minister tell me you will never change your life or the lives of the people you pastor until you change three things, their environment, their associations, and what influences them. Environment, association, and influence. You will never change until you address these three things in your life. Now, last week we talked about an environment and association. This week I want to talk about influence. Uh, But before I do, I kind of want to build towards that. Uh, If you can just leave this on the screens for me, that would be great. Uh, I was praying yesterday. On Saturdays, I like to spend time with my prayer journal. Um, I enjoy Saturday morning. Does anybody else like... My kids are now out of like the the small sports, you know, that kind of thing that just took up so many Saturdays that now it's like Saturdays I wake up and I'm like, what is this peace I'm experiencing right now? No place to hurry to or go to or any of those types of things. And so I wake up, I get my cup of coffee and I open my prayer journal. And on Saturdays, what I like to do is to review the week. And so like I, I preached on earlier this year, I have eight things that I look at every week. Uh, My mental growth, my physical growth, my spiritual growth, uh, my marriage and my children, my family, uh, you know, all those types of things. And I grade myself one to ten. One being like, get your act together, Joel. And ten being like, this was wonderful. Uh, And, you know, any number in between, judging that week. Now, this is critically important. And when I preached on this, I said this, but I'll say it again. The unexamined life is a dangerous life. One degree off course for an extended period of time is dangerous. And if you don't make that adjustment quick, you'll, you'll find yourself in places you never wanted to be. Yesterday, someone sent me a photo uh, of myself uh, from uh, 10 years ago. It's 29. Uh, I'm 39 today. And we were in India at this time. I was with a missionary. And I was a much, uh, much more fuller over human (laughs) than I presently am. Uh, And um, anyway, I looked at that photo and for me, it's never been about like a scale or weight. It's just always been, am I healthy and strong to run my race and finish my course for the Lord Jesus and to, to live long and with enough vitality enough to do what he wants me to do on this earth while I'm here. And I I looked at that photo and I can remember being that man and, and wondering, like, I had a moment where I went into a doctor's office. I hadn't been in a long time. I was just doing a checkup before I turned 30. And when I went in and I I looked at myself and I got on the scale and I saw the number, I had this, this, this thought of like, how did I end up here? And the truth of the matter is, it wasn't like one month or even one year. It was one degree off for an extended period of time that went unchecked. And I had to deal with the oak tree when I should have been dealing with the acorn. And this happens in marriages so much. Couples, they get busy, they have children... And, and out of this, the careers expand, and what started where like, they, they're dating and having date nights and thinking about Valentines and thinking about connection and all of those things. They're just not thinking about that anymore, and it's not that they're bad people. They just got busy, and then they, they wake up one day, and it's like, do we still love each other? One degree off course for an extended period of time. This happens financially. This happens mentally. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. And then you you get to age 30 and it's like, what has happened to my life? Like I have not fulfilled any of the dreams I thought I would have by this stage because life goes unevaluated. We're not to judge others. We are to judge ourselves. (laughs) Judge yourself, uh, scripture teaches us. Lest we would be judged, and so you want to set up a system of examination, and this week i 'm going you know through on Saturday, like I do, you know how healthy was this week here, 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 and I got to family, and when I say family, this was actually a new category for me it 's not my marriage or my relationship with my children it 's my extended family. Um, I preached a, a message series in October of last year entitled homesick and, and through the study for that series. I got such a big impression for God's heart for family of how much it meant to him, but also a, a huge revelation of how family is under attack. Like, I, I don't know of a family that does not have some dysfunction in it. And, and I really felt called in that season to be a healer to my family, uh, you know, because many of our families have herders. Um, That it needs uh, healers to come into them. And I just felt, honestly, a calling, but then an anointing to kind of like step in. And I mentioned that in that series, that sometimes we have a sense, the calling, but we have to wait for the anointing. Because we have to be healed and whole enough to bring healing. And sometimes to go into these families, we need times of worship and times of ministry to be whole enough to walk into it. And so I've been wading into things, um, trying to bring healing and peace. And, and this one particular person came up in my heart this week uh, that honestly, um, it's just been a little distant. Not bad, you know, not like we don't like each other or, you know, or at least I like them. <laughs> I don't know if they like me or not, uh, but I like them. Um, But I just, they came up in my heart a lot this week to like reach out to them and confirm love towards them. And and you don't know when that happens what the Lord is trying to do because here's the thing with the Lord, he's constantly trying to speak to people, but he can't work with hard heart, uh, hard heart. He can't work with hard ground. And sometimes your love softens the ground enough for his seed to go into their heart. And I just felt compelled to like show that love to this person, but I didn't. And uh, I'm sitting there, I'm like five, because there were some other things I did well enough that it wouldn't be a one, Uh, but I'm like five, I need to do better. And I'm like, I'll do better next week. And then I'm like, I'll do better right now. I'm like, pick up the phone and text, (laughs) that kind of thing. Uh, But one of the things I wrote in my journal was, I can feel my heart growing cold towards them. Cold towards them. Who is your heart growing cold for? I, I wrote that down and it just kind of struck me. It was one of those moments where I thought, like, that was deeper than me. That's the Lord trying to arrest my attention. I, my heart was, it's not getting offended at them, it's not getting a from them, it's just getting indifferent. Um, it's just getting a little apathetic. And, and I, I sensed when I wrote that, that maybe some of you would have some people like that in your life, that, that the Lord would use that to, like, by his spirit, arrest that uh, apathy in you and begin to compel you to aggressively begin to confirm your love. But I also sense that for for so many of you, it's not just like a cold heart towards people. It's been a cold heart towards life. That through transition, last year for many was a year of transition, things changing, finding footing, finding like what is the foundation I can build my life upon. That the last couple of years have been years of transition with old things passing away and new things beginning. That out of that, our heart becomes maintainers of life instead of creators of it. And we, we learn to just maintain instead of create. In fact, uh, many people that I talked to last year uh, dealt with a lot of, honestly, depression. And, and they're, they're living better lives than they've ever lived before. But really wrestling with uh, apathy and depression, like where do I go, sense of purpose... And and I sense it's because of this cold heart issue. Uh, But here's good news I see many of these people coming back to life again. Like, come, amen. You coming back to life again. Um, and, and out of this, like this feather in their heart beginning to, to wake up and be hot. Because when your heart is healthy, it's dreaming. When your heart is healthy, it's excited about something. When your heart is healthy, uh, to put it in a, a biblical terminology that the Apostle Paul used, it is pressing. It's not maintaining, um, it's not coping, it's pressing. And when your heart is there, there's a reach towards it. It's like, I know there's something better and bless God, I'm going for it. I know there's something better for my health and I'm reaching for it. I know there's something better for my marriage and I'm reaching for it. I know there's something deeper in my faith and I'm reaching for it. Like a healthy heart is a reaching heart. It's a dreaming heart. It's a joyous heart. An unhealthy heart is a cold one. And and so many people are not sinning. They're just not living. That it's it's not a sinful heart, it's a cold one. And I sense like God is like, wake up and like pursue and dream. And I have some friends of mine, one of which I talked to on the phone this week, that man, he's alive and I can hear it in his voice and he's alive again. And I, I was talking on the phone and I almost felt like it was like a prophetic kind of moment of like this was more than just us having a conversation, but was God talking to each other through one another? And, you know, I was telling him, I'm like, I can remember in the Old Testament, there's a story of the prophets expanding the school of the prophets. So there's all this expectation of what life could be. And there's all this dream of like, what we have is great, but what we can make will be even greater. And and let me just stop there because I sense God like right there, like the marriage you have is great, but the marriage you could make could be even greater, The financial state you have is great, but the one you could make could be even greater. The church you have is great, but the one we could make could be even greater. And having this hope to, like, take it there and go after it. Uh, And so that's what they're doing in this story. It's like, okay, what we have is great, but, like, what we can make will be even greater. Like, what's in front of us is even better than what we have, so let's build it. Let's work towards it. And so they're all going after it. And one of the guys who's in the school of the prophet, he's like cutting down this tree and the axe head flies off and goes in the water and sinks. He loses his edge. And he begins to panic because without the edge, you can't do any of the work. Without the edge, you just keep what you have. Without the edge, you don't build something new. You just maintain what you got. Without the edge, you live in what you have, but you can't create what you want. And so he, he's, he's panicked. I've, I've lost my edge. And so he goes to the prophet and he's like, I lost my edge. I, I need it back. And some of you are like, I've lost my edge. I need it back. I'm not making anything better. Like I'm I'm not working progressively to make my marriage better, my career better, my spirituality better. It's like, I'm just trying to keep what I got, but like I lost my edge, but I want it back. And you know what the prophet told him? He said, go back to the place where you left it. There was a place where you had your edge. There was a place where you were dreaming. There's a place where you were pressing. There was a place where you were creating something new. There was a place where you did sense, like, what I have is great, but what God is going to make is even better, and you got to go back to that place if you want to get your edge back. And I was telling my friend, like, when I hear you talk, I hear the guy I knew 10 years ago. Like the guy who is pressing and reading some books and like going to some conferences and on their knees in prayer. And and like he's sending me all this stuff. He's like, you gotta, you gotta read this stuff and you gotta pay attention to this stuff. And it was all in the context of like how to make your marriage deeper and more passionate and all these types. And he's sending it to me and I'm like, you got your edge back. And you know how he got his edge back? He went back to the place where he left it and said, there was a season where I did have my edge. What was I doing in that season let me do that in this season and it all involves changing the environment the associations and the influence and if you will begin to like begin to like is my heart cold begin to change these types of things I'm telling you you will come alive again because we, are, the, the season is shifting. You're moving out of one of transition and you're moving into one of transformation where you are going to see things change all around you and you are going to change by the power of God. Like I, I believe that, that so many of God's people are going to come alive again and create something for his kingdom. In this season, in Jesus' name, like God is getting us into running shape. We're going to run our race, and we're going to finish our course. Uh, and so we're talking about these things, and I never got to finish influence, and that is what I want to do today. And, and to kind of flesh that out, let's go over to the book of Mark, and let's look at Mark chapter 4. Mark 4. Jesus said, if you don't understand this, nothing else I teach is going to matter. Uh, That this is one of the most, according to Jesus, important uh, teachings you will hear from him. Mark 4, in verse number 13. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How How will you understand all the other parables? The sower sows the word these are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown and when they hear it immediately satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown watch this in them in a similar way these are the ones on whom the seed was sown on the rocky places who when they hear the word immediately receive it with joy but they have no firm root watch this in them but are only temporary then when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake immediately they fall away and the others are the ones on whom the seed was sown among the thorns and these are the ones who heard the word but the the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things enter in they enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful And those are the ones on whom seed was sown on the good soil. And they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. Uh, (laughs) This is so key. We have in our world today, literally, people whose job title is influencer. That's what they do, they influence. Um, I heard an example of this last weekend. There's a restaurant in Las Vegas and like the suburbs of it called Frankenstein's. Our uh, Frankenstein's, sorry. <laughs> uh, Frankenstein is something entirely different. Uh, Frankenstein's. Uh, and out of this is a, like a pizza shop. It had pizza wings, some Italian food. Uh, it opened four months ago and was struggling financially. Um, the owner of the restaurant said they were bringing in about $400 a day now, those of you in the restaurant industry know to employ people, pay yourself, pay food costs, and rent, you need a whole lot more than $400 a day. So the restaurant's going under, and an employee gets on social media, and they really love the restaurant, love the owner, and really like the food, and they get on and, uh, on social media, and they're like, we need support. Like, we have good food, we just can't afford advertisement, our location is not the best, people don't know we're here But if you'll come here, like you'll get really good support. And if we don't get support, we're going out of business. Well, one of these influencers um, was watching this, and what he does for a living is literally for $2,000, you can pay him to come and review your restaurant or whatever you got. So, like if I had a church, I could pay him $2,000 to come here and give a review on it. Now, you pay him on the front end. And on the front end, uh, the reason why he wants it is he's going to give an honest review. So you better have a good product Uh, because that's why he makes you pay first, because it's going to be honest. And out of that, um, because of this, people will visit what he recommends. And so he's watching this and his heart kind of goes out to this restaurant. And he was in the area and he thought, well, you know what? um, while they don't have the money. And I thought about this, like $2,000 to like eat ice cream and then give a review on the ice cream. I'm like, I'll do that right now. Like, sign, I'll do it on stage right now. I'll eat your ice cream and be like, it's good. You should eat it. Uh, like $2,000 a pop. And he just does this all day to different businesses. Well, he thought, you know, I'll go and do this for free for them. Uh, like I'll go to the restaurant, taste the product, And, you know, whatever the review is, put it out there. If it's bad, it's bad. But if it's good, people will know it's good. He goes there and he gives an honest review. He says, the fries don't order them. They're not very good. Then he said, and he held up this chicken wing. It was like a garlic something chicken wing. And he's like, this is the best chicken wing I have ever eaten. 10 out of 10. And then he talked about the pizza. He's like, eight out of 10. Get this pizza, get this chicken wing. Trust me, you'll be glad you did. The next two days, the restaurant had more orders than it had in four months. The restaurant owner's like crying. The news is out there. Lines are wrapped around the building. They had to make all these social media posts of like, if you place a waiter order or DoorDash or any of these things, it's going to be hours before you get your food because we don't have the supply to meet the demand. and We're training people right now to like get the word out, all those types of things. Amazing. Now, here's what I want you to see through this. This one influencer controlled where thousands of people went, what they did with their time, what they did with their money. They literally ate something because someone told them it was good. Here's my question. Who or what is controlling you. Why do you have the shoes that you have? Influence. Why do you dress the way that you dress? Influence. Uh, I bought some coffee this week. You know why I bought it? I had another pastor a friend recommend it to me. Influence. Never would have heard about it, never would have put money on it, never would have put time on it without influence. Whoever controls your eyes and your ears controls your life. Jesus said, "You want to know what you are? You are ground." Uh, Paul put it this way in Corinthians: "You are God's garden." What is coming out of you is the direct result of what you have allowed to come into you, and whatever you are producing is because you have been uh, al- you have been uh, John fifteen abiding in something. And something has been abiding in you. And based off of that fellowship is what is coming out of you. Years ago, I had a young man come in my office for counseling. This was before smartphones or any of those types of things. Um, He came in my office and he said, Pastor Joel, I'm really struggling. And genuinely, there are people that I know who come in for counseling that just want like approval of what they do, even though what they're doing is wrong. Uh, But then there are other people who come in, they genuinely want to change. And this guy genuinely wanted to change. I mean, he's almost to the point of tears talking to me about this area of his life he wants to improve. The area was lust. He said, I've wrestled with this for many years um, and I have prayed. I'm not seeing results. I'm not seeing things change. And I could tell, like, he meant it. Like, he genuinely was praying. He genuinely wanted to beat it. But he's like, I I just, I feel like I'm stuck. And so we're talking. And finally, I just kind of bring it to a close. And I'm like, okay, do you really want to change? He's like, yes, yes, sir, I do. I'm like, let's go to your car. And he looks at me. I'm like, it's okay. I'm not checking to see if it's dirty or clean. I don't care. Uh, But I'm like, let's go to your car. And so, like, I can sense nerves. And we go to his car, and he's like, what do we do? I'm like, let's get in. And, oh, man, like, have you ever seen anybody sweat bullets, like, without working out? Like, out of, he opens up the driver's door. I get in the passenger seat, and I'm like, let's turn it on. And as soon as he turns it on, have you ever, like, tried to cut off your radio real quick? (laughs) How many of you would cut off your radio real quick if I got in your car right now? Like, that kind of thing. You don't have to raise your hand. Uh, so, so anyway, we get in, and he, music starts blaring. And it's music that is objectifying women. It is music that is laced with treating them as objects that uh, God and his word has asked us to treat them like sisters and like mothers. Um, and I'm like, okay, let's pull out the rest of your CDs. Now I'm really dating myself. Uh, Let's pull out your CDs. You might remember CDs. High Colony CDs, like, yes. I still have some of my old CDs, the ones I didn't break when my father found uh, my CD collection and broke them in front of me. I said I broke them. Actually, he did. Uh, So all all these kinds of of things. Uh, So I, I have the CDs one after the next. I'm like, let's put this one in. Let's put this one in. And I looked at him and I said, dear brother, because I could tell he felt shame. I'm like, do not feel shame. God is not in the business of shaming you. I said, here's, you really want to change? He's like, yes, sir. I'm like, you are like a farmer with great soil because you are filled with potential. You're like a farmer with great soil sowing watermelon seeds into his garden and into his soil, watering it literally every single day. Watching watermelons pop up out of the ground, picking them up and saying, I can't believe I have watermelons. And I said, If you ask God in that field, God, give me oranges, God, give me oranges, God, give me oranges, God would tell you, stop sowing watermelon seed. I'm like, You can't take that stuff in and expect lust not to come out. You are God's garden, and what is coming out of you is a direct result of what is coming in you. You want to be wise and and, and be successful and have increase? Put increase in you. Listen to podcasts that puts increase in you, puts leadership in you, puts business ideas in you, puts creativity in you. Uh, You want to be a better pastor? Find things that teach you how to be a better pastor. Put that in you. Because if it controls your eyes and it controls your ears, it'll get in your heart and it'll then be produced in your life. Uh, You want to be somebody who's irritated literally all the time and just be sharp with people? Watch the news as often as you can. Just get around the news. Take it in your eyes. And it's like, why are you going off on me? Because you just watch people go off all the time. Whatever you put in you is what is coming out of you. Whatever you put in you is what is coming out of you. If you want to change what is coming out of you, you have to change what is being put into you. My life literally changed when I got rid of my video games and cut off my TV and said every book my father read in 20 years, I'm going to read in one. And I did. I did. And that's not to brag on me, but I'm telling you, I was asking God to change. My ministry was failing, and I knew I was called to do it. Knew I was called to do it. But it's failing, because I was expecting. I'd just show up and ask God to do something, and he'd do it. But God can't bring a harvest where I haven't sowed any seed. You can't pray. Even if God sends the rain, there's nothing to grow And so I began to read all of these things on leadership and all of these things on, on the saints of God. What if, what if I read about the saints of God? Do you think it would fuel my desire for God? If I begin to put before my eyes and my ears uh, what the saints of God, how they interacted with God, how they worshiped with God, how they woke up early with God, do you think that that would reflect what is coming out of your life? Last night, I was just reading a book of this man from years ago who walked with the Lord and the beauty of the relationship they had. And I'm reading this, and I got jealous. I'm like, nobody's going to walk with God closer than I am. Like, this brother seemed like he knew him. Uh, And so, like, I'm like, I'm going, I I, I got in my bedroom, I, like, shut the door, and I'm like, on my knees. I'm like, I want to know you, God. I want to walk with you, God. Like, his passion fueled my passion His desire for the Lord fueled my desire for the Lord. Why? Because whatever you put before your eyes, whatever you put before your ears, it is what is coming out of your life. This week at a prayer conference, we had this lady in by the name of Jen Tringo, and she made this statement. She said, I believe it's just a prophetic statement for this hour. There is much contending for the deep of you. There is much contending for the deep of you. The deep seeds that get in your heart, there's much contending for the deep of you. Like God is so desperately trying to speak to some of you, show you things to come, give you vision, give you passion, give you faith. But we haven't been guarding our garden. God in Genesis creates this perfect space for his family. He wants to walk with them in the cool of the day and like have intimate fellowship with them. And he tells Adam, here's what I need you to do. I need you to guard your garden. And Adam doesn't. He allows something to talk to his wife that shouldn't be talking to his wife. Are we allowing things to talk to our kids that shouldn't be talking to our kids? Why are you seeing that? Where is that coming from? There's a source. There is a source. And Eve begins to fellowship with something that she doesn't realize how dangerous it is. And a snake comes in who's like the serpent, it's the devil, but he's subtle and he doesn't appear as if he's something that needs to be resisted. And she becomes uh, intimate in fellowship with him. And you know what he begins to control? Her ears and her eyes. He's talking to her and she is listening and his words are going to the deep of her heart. And then her eyes are focused on what he wants her to look at and she's looking at that fruit and looking at the fruit and this seed is going through her eye gate and through her ear gate and it's not just a conversation, it is seed and it's not just something she's looking at, it is seed and then all of a sudden she sees herself eating the very thing she swore to herself she would never eat. And she brings chaos into her life, chaos into her marriage, chaos into her family, chaos into her home, chaos into her garden. And it was a direct result of her fellowshipping with something that she didn't need to be fellowshipping with, something influencing her that was taking her life off course. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and he said, don't you understand a little leaven leavens the whole lump? It's like, there is somebody in your life, their attitudes and their beliefs, it is affecting you. And if you do not cut out that influence out of your life, it'll affect the whole church. Some of you have Jonah's in your ships. And because they're in your ship, you're going through a storm you would not be going through if they were not on your boat. They're supposed to be going in a completely different direction than you. And their influence, because they're in your life, is taking your marriage off track. It's making you more um, divided and and making you quicker to give your opinion and and, and your attitude, your whole demeanor changes when you're around them because of influence. I want to close with two questions. I really am closing, but here's two things you can write down. You've got blank. Where did it come from? You've got strife, joy, faith, belief. Some of you this morning in worship, you know what you got? You got faith. (laughs) I mean, you got faith. God's going to change something. You got more devoted. Where did you get it? From influence. You opened up yourself to a worship leader. You opened up yourself to worship. And what you opened yourself up from, that faith didn't come from nowhere. It came from somebody. That faith came from something. But so did that fear, and so did that depression, and so did that anger, and so did that attitude, and so did that strife. And if I don't like what I got, I need to change what I'm around because it is coming from something or coming from someone. Whatever I want to produce, I need to get around. Whatever I want to see increase in, I need to open up my heart to those things. I need seed, continual seed of that thing in my life. It'll grow. It'll expand. The last question I want to leave you with is what am I living in intimacy with? What am I living in intimacy with? intimacy is is where two things are getting close and when two things get close it exchanges seed and things begin to grow in something and then it is produced and so much of, our, of of what we're producing in our life well not so much all of what we're producing in our life is based off of what i'm intimate with and god has asked you to be the bride of jesus christ you know what that means you are the bride of christ you know what that means You're the only thing he has intimacy with. Nothing else can talk to him but you. Walk with him but you. Be with him but you. But there's so many things you can have intimacy with that you can open up your life to, that you can open up your heart to, that you can open up your desires to. What's it going to take for me to have intimacy with God in 2023? For him to be the thing that is walking with me, that his, his dream and his vision and his character gets sown into my heart. And if you will walk in intimacy with the Lord Jesus and separate this intimate... You, you're not. You know what you're intimate with? Your phone. I'm telling you, that thing is like a foot in front of your face. It's before your eyes and your ears constantly. You're feeding on things. You know what you feed on? My kid watches Pokemon or, like, looks at Pokemon, gets around kids with Pokemon. You know, what he's always talking about Pokemon. You start looking at ESPN, watching ESPN. You want know to start thinking about ESPN. You start looking at hunting and fishing, hunting and fishing. You know what you're going to do? Hunting and fishing. You grow in the areas you sow into. What you grow is a direct byproduct of what you sow. And if you will begin to sow vision and faith and wisdom into your eyes and ears and do that for a year, I promise you, your life will be forever different. Uh, That things that happen in this moment will literally change the course of decades for your life. I would love to have you open up your life to business leaders, to great men and women. I, I would love for you to read their autobiographies. I would love for you to study. I would I'd love for you to choose growth over entertainment. I, I would love for you to like surrender your, your heart and open it up to big thinking and big ideas and dreamers and to not settle to be around things and people who aren't reaching and pressing for greater health, greater marriages, greater family, greater spirituality, Like if I could just force to live with you for a year and just guard everything that came into your eyes and ears, man, I'd love to be able to help you with that. But I'm telling you, if there's one change you could make, if you could place yourself in an environment where you get around spiritual people and you get around spiritual things and you come into assemblies like this and you literally, as often as you can, open yourself up to the Spirit of God and the Word of God, You maintain fellowship with people who are doing the same thing throughout the week. I promise you, you will be forever changed. Let's pray, church. Father, we come before you. We love you. We honor you. I thank you, Father, for every single person at all of our campuses. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you that you draw us to yourself, that, Father, we just break off intimacy with the things that we don't need to be around or the things we're tired of producing. Let us break off those things. And, Father, I thank you that by your grace we're able to do that, but also by your grace we are drawn into intimacy with right things, that we are drawn into intimacy with things that sharpen us and and develop us and grow us. Things that lead us to our destiny, but also things that lead us to you. And Father, we thank you. Your spirit arrests our lives and brings us into this place of greater submission to you, Lord Jesus. And so even right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed here at Lakeland, Highland Colony, or even there online, if you're here today and you say, I want to give Jesus my life afresh and anew, In any one of our rooms, you just say, Pastor Joel, I I want intimacy with the Lord Jesus, and I'm ready to leave the thing that is costing me intimacy with him, and I'm ready to give myself to him by his grace, by his mercy. If that's you at either one of our campuses with every head bowed, every eye closed, this is all I'm going to ask you to do. If that's you, would you just lift your hand in this place? At Highland Colony, lift your hand. You could be at home right now watching this. You can lift your hand. Hand's going up everywhere. This is just a a point of surrender. It's like, you know, a a husband asking a wife to like come with me and go on this date. It's like, I'll go, and you just lift your hand. It's like, "I, I want to go. I want to be with you. I want to fellowship with you. Amazing Hands going up. Now, everybody, let's just pray this prayer. No matter what room you're in, let's just pray this prayer. You can repeat it after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that at this moment in my life, by your grace, I separate from everything that would cost me intimacy with you, Jesus. I want to know you. I want to know your spirit. I want to know your ways. I want to know your plan for my life. And I thank you, Father. This is the year in Jesus' name that I do just that. My past is over and I've been bought with a price. I'm never going back. I'm transformed by the power of Jesus. And I thank you, Holy Spirit. You give me the grace to walk this out. You give me the grace to make this change. Once and for all, I'm not going back to my past. It is over, it is forgiven, it is finished. And I say boldly, this is the beginning of the best days of my life in Jesus name amen and amen let's celebrate Jesus.